Uh, good afternoon. I'm delighted to be standing before you and to bring uh, the Word of God. I, I thought Pastor Mbewe is on leave and he wasn't going to be around uh, because, I mean, half my sermon, I'm, you know, quoting him from, you know, the, the sermons he's preached before. Um, but is it okay, Pastor? <laughs> Okay, uh, I'll ask that we, it's okay, <laughs> I'll ask that we turn in the word of God to the book of uh, first, uh, Second um, Corinthians chapter 5, 2 Corinthians and chapter 5 and we'll read from uh, verse 1 to verse uh, 10, uh, but our text is in verse 9. The Bible reads there, maybe picking it up from verse 16 of chapter uh, 4. So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed. We have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we are grown, we grown longing to put our heavenly, put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who, is, he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So, we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and be at home with the Lord. And our text, verse 9. So, whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, as we quieten our hearts to listen to your word. We plead with you, O oh God, that you might be with us, that you might speak to us, each one of us meeting us at our points of need. Be pleased, O oh God, to 
uh, let the Holy Spirit uh, even convict us and also give us a way that we ought to walk in. These things we ask through our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So, um, being cognizant of the fact that December is, you know, the last month of the year, and uh, very soon we will be uh, going into uh, the next year, and many people take this time to just reflect and see how God has been, you know, with us, you know, throughout the year, or maybe you had some plans and you were working on something. Uh, it's a good time uh, around you know, to, to reflect, you know, how far have you gone and so on. Uh, it's a time to think about maybe career changes and also uh, those who are doing projects and, you know, doing this, this and that. Uh, but others say, no, 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 but I mean, December and January is just like a normal day, any other day. Uh, and, and therefore, you know, you, you don't have to do that. Uh, so... My goal for this message is not to convince you whether you make resolutions or you don't make resolutions or you should think about doing this or that, but rather it's to just remind ourselves the fact that each passing day, the sun as it rises and goes down, it is a reminder that we are headed for eternity. Um, Many times when there's an anniversary or a birthday, we, we recognize the fact that, oh, uh, we, we are actually growing. You know, I, I remember many years ago when I noticed, you know, during funerals, they are waiting for you, you know, before they bury or make a decision. And you say, oh, okay, I, I thought this is a responsibility for, you know, our uncles and elders uh, within the family. But we, we recognize that. Uh, this is happening, or maybe when your peers, if you are young, you find they get married, you are saying, oh, actually we are growing, you know, seasons are changing, and others, when you are feeling an ache here and the pain there, you recognize that we are aging, okay, though we don't want to admit that, you know, but, you know, time and seasons are changing, and then when maybe sickness and so on is continuing, we recognize that actually we are dying. But the question is, what do we do in the present, regardless of whether we want to admit or so or not? I remember at Tree of Life, I was telling the children that in 100 years' time, every one of us will be dead, you know, if, if at all the Lord doesn't come before then. And, you know, everyone murmured, you know, ah, but that's the reality. And I think the question that we ought to be asking is, what do you do? Okay? And the Apostle Paul in the text that we are reading here was found in a similar situation. He says in the, where we started from, that our outer self is wasting away. And then, you know, he's talking about, the, you know, leaving the home and then going to another, you know, home in heaven, given another body and so on. He's talking in those terms. And we are seeing that he faced persecution, affliction, and so on. And he's saying that I still have an ambition. 
a godly ambition. And he says it in our text there. So whether we are at home or whether we are alive or away or we have died, we make it our aim to please the Lord. So we'll have a conversation with the Apostle Paul and say, now look, Paul, what is it that you, you are doing? What's your goal in life? When you are faced with this reality of the coming eternity and the rolling of time, the fact that time is moving forward and forward and there's no pause, there's no reverse gear, but we are headed somewhere. What is it that you, you do? What is your goal in life? What takes priority in your life? And he says there, so whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to be pleasing uh, to him. And then we'll ask him why. What are the basis? What is the basis of your, 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 your goal, your ambition to be pleasing to him? And then how then, you know, what, what is the duty? And, 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 and then we'll say, how, how do you then do it? And then if time permits, we'll have the practical implication on our part. Therefore, let's look at this text again. What is uh, his ambition? What is Paul's ambition when he faces the outward shell wasting away, the, the, the reality of affliction and persecution? What is it that he is aiming at? What is his goal? And he says there, that he wants to please the Lord. He wants to please him, uh, referring to the Lord. And we are saying there that the, the word that is used to please him is basically the, the one which is used also in Romans and chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Remember that, that passage, offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. So that acceptable to God uh, is the same word. And also, uh, if you uh, look at Romans chapter 14, verse 18, when he's talking about, uh, you know, food sacrificed to idols and so on, and he says there now, the kingdom of God is not about eating and drinking, but it is joy, uh, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And then he says there that Whoever thus saves Christ is acceptable to God and proved by men. So that acceptable to God, that is the same word, uh, pleasing. Uh, Colossians chapter, is it four? Uh, you know, children, obey your parents, for this is pleasing in the Lord, the same uh, word. Okay? And we are saying there that uh, by way of application that is that your goal? Is that what you live out for? That you aim at pleasing God? If we were to look at your life in the past maybe 11 months, this past year, and your goals going forward into 2023, what is it? Can we see with the Apostle Paul that I want to please God? This is what I'm living out for. You might be saying, no, no, but you see, I'm not in the ministry. I'm not, you know, a, a full-time pastor like Pastor Mbewe and, you know, but you, you, you know better that you can be a mother who is pleasing God in your life. 
You can be a driver, you can be an employee, you can be whatever. But the underlying fact, what is driving you, is it to please a God? But secondly, we ask the Apostle Paul, but why or how did you arrive at this? Okay? In our text, he says, so, okay? uh, so whether we are at home or away. In other words, it's, it's, it's a reason. In the KJV, it says, wherefore, or in others, therefore. Okay? So, so, so he's saying, you know, I, I didn't just arrive at this from nowhere, it's got a background. And if, if you flip back, you, you see the Apostle Paul, this is part of a lengthy conversation or discourse that he's talking about here, ab about the, the gospel and, and the ministry uh, that he's um, in. And, and, and he says there that, you, you see, God has saved me. God has transformed my heart through this new covenant. If you check uh, back to, uh, to, verse, to chapter 3, he's talking about comparing the old covenant and the new covenant. Uh, and he's saying that Moses, it's like he put a veil, but in the gospel of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, that veil has been taken off. So in other words, Paul has been transformed. And he goes on to say that now, look, this transformation not only has God saved me, but he continues to sanctify me, to make me more and more to conform into the image of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he comes now, okay? Uh, verse 18 of chapter 3, And we all with unveiled faces behold the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So he says, now look, if you check my history, God has saved me and has transformed me. And then he now begins, therefore. So the first therefore in chapter 4 verse 1, therefore we do not lose heart. We do not lose heart when it comes to the proclamation of the gospel. We won't use any hand, underhanded methods to declare that. And then he continues there. He talks about God having put this salvation in his heart in the earthen vessel, uh, jars of clay. But then he talks about the outer, you know, body being wasting away. Verse 16. So we do not lose heart though our outer self is, being, uh, 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 is wasting away. And then he comes again to verse 6. For we are of good courage, for we know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. So in other words, he's saying, now look, God has prepared a body for us. God has prepared eternity, the eternal weight of glory. So we don't lose heart. So in other words, when we are here on earth, we are with the Lord. When we go up there, as you are seeing us being wasted away, we are being built up by God. And we have a home in glory land. So Paul doesn't arrive at this by just saying, now look, uh, I'll just be pleasing to God. No, he's saying, look at my background. 
I've been converted. I've been saved. God is sanctifying me, and he has prepared a home for me and a body for me in eternity. And, and we can look at this and say, now look, what are the practical implications uh, for, 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 for you and me when we, we look at that? I think from what we are seeing here, we can learn the fact that the, the desire to please God is a natural response when one is longing to be with God. So as you are walking with God, as you are looking forward to being with him, then there's that desire to, to be with him. Isn't that what John says when he talks about the love of God? Behold the love uh, of God. What kind of love God has lavished, God the Father has lavished on his children that we should be called uh, uh, the children of God. We are beloved, we are children of God um, God's children now, and what we shall be has not yet appeared. And then towards the end there he says, uh, those, everyone who has this hope purifies himself. So it's that connection of being with God, longing to be with God, that causes that purification, that desire to lead a life that is uh, pleasing before God. James also says the same, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. And then he goes on to talk about cleanse your heart, uh, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-mindedness. So it is in the context of wanting to be with God, to draw near to God, that causes us to desire to be holy, to desire to please God. But then we go back to Paul and say, ah, Paul, so, so uh, how, what does it take for, 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 for a person to be able to achieve such a goal? What does it take? Okay. What is the duty involved? And our text there answers that. It says there, so whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim. We make it our aim. And the other versions there, it says, we strive, okay? We strive the same word. We aspire, okay? Remember that other text in Romans chapter 15, verse 20, where the Apostle Paul says, you know, I strive to preach the gospel where Christ has not been named, or I make it my ambition, you know, to preach Christ where he has not been uh, preached before. So, so that word is talking about laboring, okay? Inspire, uh, aspiring have an ambition for something, striving earnestly to make one, uh, one's aim, to be ambitious, uh, uh, and, and that's where we, we get our title there. Okay, so there's that idea of hard work, we labor. So, so in other words, you can't be pleasing to God when you are half asleep and say, okay, uh, my goal next year is to be pleasing to God, and then you do it half asleep. No, it says, you know, we make it our aim. We are ambitious, okay? We, we, we strive, we labor to, to, to be pleasing uh, to him. So we are saying that it, you, you, you must deliberately focus and 
deliberately work towards being pleasing to God. Uh, I think the, the, those who are, you know, care to look at organization, you know, development and so on, we, we see that many organizations develop strategies for implementation, but they say strategic development is, you know, they, they do it. But implementation is where we fail. And mostly, implementation, they say that if, if you know, 70% won't succeed or won't be implemented, they'll just shelve them and then, you know, continue doing whatever they want to do. But where it has been successful, it's where you find, you know, good leadership, where the leadership is focused and deliberately pushing towards that. Isn't it the same with entrepreneurship when you are trying to, you know, start up a business and so on? A lot of us, we say, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, you know, hustle, I'm going to do this and that. And then you, fa especially farming, I think farming is the one which, uh, yeah, has, has suffered a lot of casualties. You know, you say, oh, I'm be a farmer, and then you use, you know, pick out your calculator, you know, punch in the figures and see that. But then when you start, discover that, uh, you know, you want to farm by remote control. Uh, fertilizer in Africa, you know, has the fertilizer arrived and so on, but then, uh, you know, it doesn't work. But here the Apostle Paul is saying, if you want to be pleasing, if you want to make that as your aim, your goal, in life to be pleasing to God, there'll be the aspect of laboring. There'll be an aspect of deliberateness uh, and hard work that you will uh, use. The, the, the Lord Jesus Christ talked about the shrewd manager. Uh, I failed to understand that parable, but the application is uh, towards the end is what is, is comforting. I think the Lord says in Mark, uh, Luke chapter 16, verse Eight there after the guy you know squandered and was dishonest and was shrewd but then he's commended uh, and that's where the difficulty comes in but uh, regardless of that in Luke chapter six, 16 verse 8 the Lord says the master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness for the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. And I, I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal uh, dwelling. So you're seeing there that now, look, you, you guys are intelligent. If you look at you know, the, the way you exert yourself when it comes to solving problems at the office or, or challenges, you saw very complicated things. Uh, but when it comes to, let's say, evangelism, you can't manage to penetrate into your neighborhood. So he's saying, no, there's something wrong. You need to be shrewd as well in the kingdom. Use your, 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 your effort. So the, the idea of pleasing God will call for deliberateness, it will call for hard work, it will call for striving. And Christ is saying there, or the Apostle Paul is saying there that, you see, as the world with its ambitiousness, using whatever they use in terms of means of trying to, 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 to gain 
uh, fame and, and, and whatnot. He's saying, you as a child of God, use the same thinking, the same exertion. Strive for that to, to be pleasing to God. Otherwise, if you don't do that, mid-February, desiring to please God, then you will abandon ship, just like any other goals in life. But he's saying, be deliberate. How can we do that? You, you, you find that you, you need to, to, to use the utmost to be pleasing uh, to, to, to God. Okay. You need to use your utmost to be pleasing to God. You strive, you work hard at your careers, but you can't take a moment to plan and say, okay, how can we evangelize? How can we be more pleasing to God? How can I discipline and disciple my children? How can I be a loving husband? So you sit and study and read. Uh, and, and normally in, the, in, in those cartoons, how to understand the wife, the book is like this. <laughs> then, you know, for the, for the husband, it's... Uh, so, so, so I think the idea is uh, you need to exert yourself. But then we ask the Apostle Paul again, how else, Paul? You know, what is the extent of, of this, uh, you know, go? And back to our text, he says there, so, whether we are at home or away. Whether at home or away. So in other words, this home is talking about whether we are alive or we have died. Okay? And whether in life, okay, the whole of life, not, not a corner of my life when it comes to Sunday. Sunday, okay, it's the Lord's day, but Monday when I go to the office, uh-uh, church the fire I don't want things to do with the church activities or something no he's saying everything the whole of life so Paul's ambition was not altered by the state of being whether in heaven or on earth uh, he cared how he lived for the Lord whether he was alone in a dark room whether he was away on a business trip, the Apostle Paul's ambition was constant to be pleasing to God. To be pleasing to God. Isn't it what uh, the, the, the reformers, you know, came about and said, now look, if you are to summarize life, okay, or a journey as a child of God, what is it? How do you summarize that? Uh, what is the essence of life? What is the you know, big idea for a Christian? Okay? And they came up with, the, I think it was Martin Luther there, uh, Coram uh, Dio. Okay? Uh, Coram Dio. Okay? So, so it was basically saying uh, before the face of God. Before the face of God. Uh, and basically what they were saying that the whole of your life in the presence of God, under the authority of God, to the honor and glory of God. That's how they lived. That's how they lived. So, the Apostle Paul here is saying that whether in the body or 
away, whether alive or dead, my life will be constituted that pleasing God. Is that how you are living as well? Is that how you are living? He says it in another place in Romans chapter 14, verse 7 and 8, that for none lives to himself, and none, um, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. And the verse that we looked at earlier on, Romans chapter 12, uh, talking about uh, to be pleasing to God, uh, will involve presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice. So in other words, we are not living out anything. It's the whole of, uh, of, of, of us, the whole of your redeemed humanity being placed under the authority of God. So that's the extent. Uh, Adram, uh, Abraham uh, Kuyper, uh, the, 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 the politician, the Calvinist, uh, once you know, exclaimed that there is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. So in other words, everything, as the Apostle Paul says, uh, whether you eat or drink, do all to the glory of God. So, what is the extent? The extent is in everything. And then this also, you know, goes against that idea of compartmentalizing life. Uh, I think the, the Roman Catholics are the ones who said, no, 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 you see, if you're a Christian, you need to live a life consecrated only on God. So, you know, go away in a monastery and uh, say, no, 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 no. It's not supposed to be like that. Everything in your life should be lived for the glory of God. Everything should be lived uh, for the glory of God. So whether present or absent, then the extent, it's everything. But then we ask the Apostle Paul again, now what are the practical implications? How can we consciously desire to apply this in our lives? And um, I had three of them, but then when I was preparing, I thought, ah, I think time will, will dissuade us. So we'll just look at one. So the personal life, then the other one was going to be the family life, and then the church life. But practical implication on the personal life. Okay, as the child of God saved by grace, you desire to be pleasing to him, or if you desire to be pleasing to him, you will first of all seek to grow in a loving attachment and devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ. If you look at the, the passage that we are reading there, you can see Christ all over in the, in the text. Because the Apostle Paul knew that he, he, he can't do this alone. He can't do it by himself. It is the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, for example, in verse 14, for the love of Christ controls us. It constrains us. Because we have concluded this, that one has died uh, for all, and therefore all have died. If you back up a bit to the stand there, it says, we shall all stand before the judgment seat 
of, of Christ. And, and, and then he comes again, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. And then he says there that uh, God has given us that you know, ministry of reconciliation uh, in, in, in Christ. Uh, God was reconciling the whole world. Uh, and then he says, God is making his appeal. Uh, he, oh, sorry, we are ambassadors of Christ. God is making his appeal through us. And we implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled uh, to God. And then he says that God made him who knew no sin to be seen for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. So if you want to be pleasing to God, you step back and say, what has Christ done for me? Who is Christ? To what extent has he you know, gone to procure this salvation for me? You will seek to love him and to grow in attachment uh, to him. Isn't it Paul who exclaims that all oh, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and to be you know, found uh, to share in his suffering, becoming like him in death, so that I may attain the resurrection from the dead. It is Christ. The Apostle Paul was sold out. For me to live is Christ. To die is gain. So that loving attachment to Christ is what you need to do. Peter, for example, in the beginning he was called, you know, uh, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And then towards the end in John chapter 21 there, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Until Peter was grieved. Okay? And then after commissioning him, Jesus says, follow me. And, and Albert Martins there says that now, look, uh, if, if you look at it, it, it was out of the crucible of loving attachment to Christ Jesus that Peter was going to do the will of God and be pleasing to him. We need the Lord. If you want to be you know, pleasing to God or if you want to please God, you need to devote yourself to loving attachment to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that will call for you to study, to, to read his word, to know him, like the Apostle Paul uh, says there. You desire to know him. Uh, Toko uh, had taken us to John chapter 15, uh, earlier on at the beginning of the service there. Uh, and the scriptures are clear. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Those who love me are the ones who keep my commandments. So you will seek to know what is the will of God for me. What is the will of God for me? The Apostle Paul prays for the uh, Colossians in chapter 1, verse 10 there, that they may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him. So it is out of that knowledge, that growth in, 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 in knowing God, okay? Increasing in knowledge, spiritual wisdom, and understanding that they were going to be pleasing to God. 
Furthermore, I think it will call us to, to, to grow in, in faith and trust in the promises of God. If you look at the Apostle Paul, his basis for having arrived at the desire to please God is, is through the promises of God. Heaven, that promise that this momentary affliction cannot be compared to the eternal weight of glory. In the, in the same uh, passage uh, in, 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 in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 there, he says there, in verse 17, For the light momentary affliction is preparing us for the eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. But then later on, he says, uh, should be verse 13. Okay, verse 13. Since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe, so uh, we also speak. Knowing that he who raised Jesus, and then he continues. But then later on, he says that it is, we walk by faith and not by sight. So, so it is that belief that, yes, God has prepared a home for us. And we are going there. Doesn't Hebrews tell us the same? That faith is an assurance of the things hoped for. Okay? And then he says there that the, 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 the Old Testament saints, they got that commendation because of the faith. So we are saying that if you desire to live a godly life, if you desire to be pleasing to God, if you want to have that godly ambition, you will grow in faith and trust in the promises of God. Remember Ezra, uh, when they had released them and then he's about to go with the, with, with the, the, the people who had been released. He says, I was ashamed to ask the king to give us a band for protection. Why? He says that previously I had told the king that the hand of God is good to those who seek him and the power of his wrath against all who forsake him. So in other words, Ezra could not go back and say, ah, sorry, sir, can we also have a platoon of soldiers to help us? But, but you told me that God is watching over you. And it's the same, okay? We go out there and say, now, look, I'm a child of God. And, you know, God has promised me he will supply all my needs according to his riches in glory. He says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And then we turn around and then start cutting corners. Start asking for bribes. No. We believe that God has promised and he's going to do it. And we go trusting in, in, in him. We know that Christ says, Seek ye the kingdom of God and all his righteousness. He says, now look, invest in the kingdom of God. Where moth and wrath can't, you know, find. But is it what we are doing? Are, are we doing that, investing in the kingdom of God? Just wind back your time. If, if you were on your deathbed, for example, 
and, and then you are to evaluate, they tell you, oh, okay, in the next, you know, one or two days you are going to die, you know, think about the things that you, you know, you have done, which, so will you wind back your clock and see that, no, the things that have invested my time and effort are those which have eternal uh, value or worth. So we are seeing there that God is calling us to change our perspective. To, to, to see, the, to have the faith in the promises uh, of God. That is how we are going to uh, succeed in pleasing God. We are going to look at the family. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5 tells us that they stand that to discern what is pleasing, and then he applies the various categories. Husbands, do this. You know, children, do this. Wives, do this. Do that. So you are able to discern what is pleasing before God. Uh, the, the church, for example, okay, it pleases God when we are involved in evangelism. You know, Pastor Mbewe did a series at the beginning of the, uh, I think, towards the earlier days of this church, uh, the, the church's unique mission. And basically his argument there was to take through, you know, the church from Genesis, uh, I think, into the New Testament and arguing and showing and proving that, no, actually, you know, God has placed the church and its mission is for outreach, to be able to call those who are out. And he says, uh, the Bible tells us, I think in uh, one of the parables there, that there is great rejoicing in heaven when what? One sinner comes to, to repentance. So you can apply that, that uh, we want as a church to be pleasing to God and in one area that we are going to, involve, to be involved in is in global missions, spreading uh, the word of God. Conclusion. I don't know how 2023 will be. Maybe it's a time when uh, some of us might pack our bags. But regardless of whether we are alive or whether we go, whether we are afflicted, whether our outward body is being wasted away, I think the idea is to have that single purpose in life, to be pleasing to God. Because the Apostle Paul was saying, now look, I'm torn in between the two. You know, to, to die is, to be, is far better, you know, because I'll be with Christ. But, but to be alive, it means fruitful labor for you. Okay. So for him, it didn't matter whatever location it was. He wanted to be pleasing to God. And as long as he lived, he was living for, for God. Spurgeon talks about uh, a, a man who was about to die. So he gathers his children, his wife and daughter, and says, now look, I'm about to die because they are told you to do the, the will. So he says, uh, you know, give them the house. And then, so the daughter was a bit you know, perplexed. What is happening? She, she didn't have an idea for, for, for death. 
So, so, so he says that, but the children, but the child did not understand what death was. She was standing near and she said, Papa, have you got a home in the land you are going to? So the man was busy trying to, you know, sort out, you know, make my children be happy and, you know, the future and so on. Give them the home. And then he say, the daughter asked, saying, have you got a home where you are going? And Spurgeon concludes that the arrow reached that hut, but it was too late. He had seen his mistake. He had got no home beyond the grave. You cannot strive to be pleasing to God if you are not a child of God, if you don't have that home in glory land. The Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verse 8, that the sinful mind is hostile towards God. It does not submit to the law of God. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You need the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you are not saved, you can't please God. You need Christ. You need to go to the cross, repent of your sins, and believe in him. Amen.